let it go. Good evening. James, Preston. Yes. Are you there? I'm here. All righty. Great. Chef, testing. Are you there? Sounds loud and clear. Thanks a lot. Steve, testing. Are you there? Yes, sir. Oh, good to have you. Good All right now. You. All righty. Ready to go. Coach Spurgeon, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, it is great to have you. Good. We'll introduce you a little later on, but uh, glad you're on, okay? Yeah. All right. Welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in 
all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. We want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. We want to wish you safe travels as you're traveling home to see loved ones, friends. And we also say if you're going to drink, don't drive. If you're going to drive, don't drink. And so <clears throat> we want to welcome our audience tonight. And we have uh, about five listeners, about three engagements. They're all coming on. And I'm going to open up the mic and let our co-hosts and analysts all say hello. I'm going to start with you, James. Tell everybody hello. Hey, from Detroit. What up, though? All righty. All right, Jeff. Tell everybody hello. How you doing, folks? Happy Thanksgiving. All righty. All righty. And I'm going to uh, Steve. Tell everybody hello. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Be safe. All right. Yes, 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 yes. And so we're going to open up tonight. I'm going to introduce, of course, our special guest in about 25 minutes later, uh, Gulf Coast Athletic Conference 2023 Volleyball Champion, Coach LaShawn Dispersion. We're going to tell you a lot more about her as we move into the show. But tonight, we want to talk about some things. Uh, the first one, we lost a former first lady, Rosalind Carter. She was the wife to President Jimmy Carter and uh, one of the most humble servant. She battled for the cause of mental illness uh, and to give the mentally ill their rights. She was also big with President Carter during his time in Project Habitat for Humanity. And along after the Carters who left the White House, uh, who spent one term there, uh, she continued to fight those two causes. And, uh, and many others. And so she was just a champion for democracy and a champion for human rights around the globe, her and her husband, the late Jimmy Carter. So she's passed this past week, 96 years young. And uh, James, I'm coming to you first. What do you think? Rosalind Carter, our former first lady who just passed. Well, Jeff? Cliff, we always, do you say Jim or Jeff? James, Jim. Okay, okay. no problem. We um, always hear about Hillary Clinton being the first co-president, but Rosalind Carter had her own office, worked on her own issues, sat in on some of the cabinet meetings of her husband, Jimmy. So mm -hmm. she was truly a blessed woman. Yes, she was. Yeah. And she will be missed 96 years young. Jeff, your thoughts. Yes. Former first lady, Rosalind Carter. Yeah, she graciously, you know, uh, supported her husband. I think that's the main thing, the longevity of their relationship, which have, that impressed me the most. And it also says something about her character. So uh, she'll be missed. Yes, she will. Went back to help him on that peanut farm down in Georgia that was left, I believe, by his dad. Steve, what do you think? I'm going to open up the mic for you. Rosalind Carter, our former first lady. Uh, she was awesome. She uh, was the epitome of what a first lady should be. She and I think Jackie O captivated uh, that with their personalities and their smarts. And uh, they didn't, they stood on their own. They didn't have to stand behind their husbands. They stood with them like it should be. And uh, she was just recently diagnosed, I think, with uh, Alzheimer's and uh, didn't last long. And Jimmy's still alive. No, I believe he passed. He, yeah. No, I think I think he's still alive. Now I could be wrong. He's still alive. He's been in hospice for at least six months, but he's still alive. Okay, I'm wrong. 
right, yeah, what, he's, he's 99. Matter of fact, he got sick way before her. I mean, before she took this down with turn, and nobody expected him to still be here now. But you know, God has other things, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But awesome first lady. Yeah. All righty. We have a new member to our team. I want to introduce her. We're so blessed to have her. We'll be starting our second year of the show next week. And this young lady is a, uh, a scholar, a mother, a former uh, Fisk athlete, volleyball and basketball. Actually, she's in the Fisk Athletic Hall of Fame. And we are just uh, elated to have landed her on our show. And we just want to say welcome to the show, Miss Joelle Bowers. Well, everybody, welcome. And have wow. glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. And thank you guys for the invite. And I believe that this show is so remarkable. You guys have built a platform in sports and women. And I'm so grateful. And just shout out to my Fiskites. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yes, for uh, Cliff, you were there, and uh, for Jimmy, and the rest of you guys, and for the Nashville Coalition we have uh, with Tennessee State, Meharry, and Fisk, as well as I played volleyball and basketball, and so I'm just interested in all females and all that we do, so thank y'all for this platform. Oh, well, Joelle, we thank you, and welcome to the show again. Start year number two next week. So welcome to the team. Welcome to the team. All right. Now, we have another story, and I'm going to come to Jeff first, who's our securities expert. But um, this is a sad story. It's uh, happened out in Las Vegas uh, about a week ago. And um, a young man was coming from school, and he was 11th grader. And I'm not going to say his name, unless they're still family still grieving, but he was jumped by eight other high schoolers and he was stomped to death on video. Now I'll let you guys look up the story, but what is going on in this country when young folks are now doing these kind of things to each other? And how can we prevent it or can we? Jeff, I'm coming to you, a securities expert, and then I'm becoming our educator. Jeff? Yeah, this is uh this is really a tough story to, to tell and it's just a tough tough story to deal with. Uh they did release the young man's name. Um the eight suspects all range from ages 13 to 17. And so it started over something that was so simple and so silly. Uh some stolen headphones and apparently a marijuana vape pen. And as usual, the argument ensues in school. And then, as we all know over the years, after school, I'm going to see you. That's what it was about. And so the two individuals got outside and uh, a little bit away from the high school. But his friend, who was the young man who, who lost his life, jumped in. And it's, the fight started between two people. And then he was bum rushed by a host of other teenagers. Uh, yeah. Eight suspects were picked up and charged, but they're looking for two other suspects. So it was about 10 people that were stomping on him, you know, pummeling him, and he was left for dead. Uh, a passerby a passerby saw what happened, saw him laying on the ground, and they picked him up, brought him back to the school. They rushed him over to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. 
six days later. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. Now, that's the norm right now in our country. Mm -hmm. Understand that. That is a normal thing. It goes on all the time. And as you notice, the authorities took the information from someone who, once again, was recording. It wasn't, it wasn't sent to the police. They found this recording online, which is often done. They record these incidents, and they do it for clicks, social mm. media clicks. That's a mm. shame. This thing broke my heart because that's been my most fear, as you know, Cliff, uh, with, our, with our nephew. Uh, my prayer was always, God, bring them back home. Bring them back home. And so I think the one thing that has to be done is we have to turn up, we have to turn up our energy to get through to every young person that comes across our path, not only ours, but others, the neighbors, the coaches that are in the neighborhood and the churches, we have to go much stronger to, to try to help these young people to realize that, you know, life is precious. Okay. Life is precious. This is a scary thing in today's society. All righty. All right. Thank you, Jeff. We want to say welcome also to our other co-hosts, Dr. Marlo Kemp. Marlo Kemp, tell everybody hello tonight. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. All right now. All right now. Our woman of the month. Yes, yes, yes. None other. Basketball great Cheryl Miller. We've been talking about her all month. And uh, <clears throat> tonight we'll talk about her parts of her career at the University of Southern California. She At the University of Southern California, the 6 feet 288 centimeter Miller played forward. She was a 14 letter scored 3,800 points, which is 10th all time in NCAA. She was. <clears throat> Four-time All-American, career rebounding mark of 1,534, ranks a third all-time in NCAA history. Miller was named the Naismith College Player of the Year three times and earned the Wade Trophy Player of the Year once. At USC, she led the Trojans to 112 and 20 record in NCAA champion titles in 1983 and 1984. We know that she was joined on that team by NBA WNBA superstar Cynthia Cooper, two-time WNBA MVP Patrick Lee, and 1984 Olympian All-American, all of But still, full of superstars, she stood out above all. She was a Broderick Award winner, the College Basketball Player of the Year. Also, this lady named her the best player in college basketball, male or female. She holds several records. And uh, I'm going to ask Joelle, let's give us your opinion. If you remember her, a little younger than us. <laughs> Sharmilla. Yes, yes. Next uh, All right. Of course do I do. Of course I do. I'm so honored to be discussing Cheryl Miller. And uh, she came out, let's see, in the 80s. Yep. And I graduated high school in 85. And she was right before that in the early 80s. And Cheryl Miller, her basketball skills, her team skills, and not only that, I'm most impressed by what she's been able to do since then and in sports casting and broadcasting. So I'm just honored. And um, yes, I remember Cheryl Miller. Cheryl Miller, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Joelle. Steve, one more time, give us something. Cheryl Miller. We have one more week with her. She was so dominant, it just wasn't fair. Mm -hmm. 
She could do anything inside, outside, off the dribble, in your face, athletic. I mean, just doing everything. I'm just glad that we did get to see her play on TV, at least, you know, in in college. I'm glad we got to see that. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Kemp, I'm going to come to you one question. If she played in the NBA, how many think she could average if she played in the NBA? In the WNBA or the NBA? No, the NBA. Oh, okay, okay. I was just making sure that's that's what I heard. NBA average, oh, I'll say at least 30, 32. 32? All or right. more. All right. Jeff, what do you think, Cheryl Miller, could average in the NBA? Jeff? All right. Couldn't connect with him right now. All right, we'll keep up with that story, but we have one more week with her. That is none other than Miss Cheryl Miller. Let's give it up for y'all. All righty. Now, there it is. Line up for a little slow tonight. We are doing our year in review, our Women of the Month, and last year we started in November. We had Mrs. Mustia Harris. We talked about her last week. But then in December, we discussed our woman of the month. And this is none other than volleyball great Flo Hyman, okay? Known as Flora Jean Flo Hyman, born in July 31st, 1954. Let me just run it down quickly for you. She, uh, and she died in 1986, okay? 65, played at the University of Houston, an outside hitter. She played for the national team from 1974 to 1984. She won in volleyball. She represented us in the Olympic Games. She won silver in 84. World Championship, she won bronze in 82. In 1983, she won silver in the Pan American Games. Uh, she was born in Morningside, not excuse me. She graduated from Morningside High School in Inglewood, California. She was so dominant that she had a pro career in Japan when college ended. But tragically, she would die on the volleyball court at a very young age. They couldn't figure out the cause of death. Later on, they discovered it was Marfan syndrome, which is a condition that affects aorta in, in, in play, or persons who have height. And so it was a sad ending, but one of the legends that opened up the floor in women's volleyball. But Joelle, coming back to you. Flo Hyman. Let me unmute you there. Yes. Flo Hyman, you remember her? Yes, I surely do. And her accomplishments were outstanding for her to have passed at such a young time. And on top of that, a lot of people didn't understand the diseases that were affected because of, you know, being extra tall or really some people had uh, joint problems or heart problems or different things. And I didn't find out if you could say the name of her disease again. Marfan syndrome, Marfan syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, Marfan syndrome. How many Marfan people syndrome. actually know what that was or what she died of exactly? But yeah, her accomplishments were outstanding and paved the way for the rest of us to play volleyball and make that such a competitive sport as to what it is now. Absolutely. James, let's give us a comment. Flo, Simon, Flora Jean. To pig, to piggyback off of uh, Joelle, she brought Marfan syndrome to the forefront so more people could learn about it and uh, understand it about the enlarged heart because you're so tall. 
Yeah. So. And it's actually, Jim, it's the aorta that comes off the heart. It doesn't okay. just get enlarged, but it's a dissection through the layers that surround the aorta. The blood gets in there and it and then it opens up and enlarges. And that's what she died of. So they have very thin aortas. So uh, we're going to keep our prayers rest in peace. Volleyball legend, woman of the month, September of 2022. Go, Hyman. Go, Hyman. Yes, sir. Remember. You. All right. A woman executive of the week. Okay. We always have a woman executive of the week, and this week is no different. Her name is Rosalind Durant. Okay. Rosalind Durant. Remember this name. She's an executive, and she's an executive now uh, that was with Walt Disney, and she's also a former executive and has come back to ESPN, okay? And so she's the one who connected uh, Walt Disney with ESPN. Um, This former ESPN senior vice president of College Networks has been an invaluable ally as the company covers the resumption of MLS, MLS and the NBA seasons on ESPN, WWOS campus in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. And she said, Rosalind Durant made Black History when she began her first day on the job as the Senior Vice President of Operations for Disney Springs ESPN Wide World of Sport and Disney's Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon water parks on March 9th, 2019. So what do you think? A woman executive, Jeff, tell us about it. What do you think? Here's another one. Yeah, we're going to unmike you. Tell Once us what you again, think. Again, they're leading the pack. I tell you, <laughs> first of all, she's got connections. They they linked it. She linked up with Walt Disney. She's got connections. That's the big thing. We need to bring her to New York. The slide in somewhere in New York. We might be able to do something with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Dr. Kemp, what do you think? Rosalind Durant. Oh, I, my hat goes off to Ms. Durant because she's powerful. Um, she once said that uh, if she can change jobs with anyone for a day, it would be with Jerry Jones because she said, how cool would it be to own the team that you've loved since birth? So go ahead on, Ms. Durant. Um, I, I, I definitely like her credentials and what she has done and is still doing um, as a professional woman. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, give us your comment. What do you think? Rosalind Durant. She kicking the door in and going to make some room for some others that she'll pull along. And I'm like, Jeff, she she could probably fix fix the Knicks. Mm. I think she could fix them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Rosalind Durant, a woman executive of the week. She's doing it. Now, as we said, we're coming to the end of volleyball season. You know, we talk about March Man, but this year we're committed to volleyball coverage. And so we, really, there's another March Man that's going on right now, but it's done in November. Volleyball. Here we go. The first winner of the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, and we're going to have her one in about 20 minutes, Coach LaShonda Spurgeon. And she won the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference Volleyball Championship this year. And we're looking forward to talking to her. All right? Now, this past weekend in the CIAA tournament, Shaw defeated the past champions, Elizabeth City State. So Shaw will be going to the Division II. Uh, that's the field, I believe, on Monday. That's the field of 64 
in Division Two. So we'll keep we'll stay on top of that. Alrighty. In the MEAC, the winner, Poppin State. And they won the MEAC Volleyball Championship. So they will get a bid. Is that MEAC in the Division One field? And that's going to be announced in just a few days. And they have a field of 64. All right, to play for the National Championship. In the SWAC. Now, this is interesting. MEAC, Copper State went in the number one seed. But in the SWAC, the ladies of Jackson State, the Tigers, came out with the title. They went into the tournament the number five seed. Wow. And they came out the champions. So they also will find out where they're going next week in the Division I tournament. And we announced last week the dynasty and the SIAC women, the women of Spring Hill, they won their fifth SIAC championship. And they're going to be finding out where they are going as well in the Division II National Championship. This is the way it lines up. In the, Gulf, uh, in the NAIA tournament, there were 48 teams. They've already played that down to 24. All of the tournaments, national tournaments, are set to start. We're going to keep everybody abreast of what's going on in volleyball all the way through. Let me say hello to a few people in our audience. First of all, review some things in the chat. Jeff says Cheryl Milliken scored 14 points a game. All right. You want to say hello, Fisk University's Basketball Hall of Fame player, Renee Spence, Mark Cooper. Hello, down there in North Carolina, along with 27 engagements. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to come right back, finish up a few things, and then we're going to turn it over to Jim. We're going to take a quick break. All righty. Welcome back, Dr. Chris Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports and HBCU athletics. By the way, if anybody wants to look on our website, you can go straight to it. You dial in Clifton Butts, B-U-T-T-S dot podbean dot com. We'll put it in the chat a little later on. Spread the word. Now, in basketball, we're just going to give a brief review of a few games. Grambling State women defeated Arizona State in basketball. Everybody is still in non-conference. And North Carolina ANT also had a win against a higher-level Division I school in women's basketball. We're going to go over the standings next week for the CIAA, SIAC, and the GCAC, and the NCAA, and catch everybody up. We're going to turn it over at this time. Jim, let's give us a rundown. College football, and Steve will take us a little bit in basketball. Jim, I'm going to open up the mic for you. As Cliff said, this is championship time. Same thing in football. <clears throat> Where Prairie View topped Alabama State to clinch a berth in the, S in the SWAC championship versus Florida A&M. Florida A&M defeated uh, their rival Bethune-Cookman this weekend. Now, on the MEAC, Howard, by virtue of its win over uh, North Carolina Central, 
won the MEAC and the right to face the winner of uh, Prairie View and Florida A&M in the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, we got some other news uh, that the Florida Beach Bowl, which is the champ, which is a game set up just like Celebration Bowl between the CIAA and the SIAC, and the Florida Beach Bowl, the first annual, will be played with Johnson C. Smith from the CIAA and Fort Valley State in the SEAC. Mm-hmm. Now, North Carolina Central, although they did not win the MEAC, they clinched a uh, berth in the FCS playoff this weekend. Okay. So we're going to go for North Carolina Central to do well in the uh, playoff. Alrighty. Now in the uh, Division Two, we have Benedict, which got a number one seed, so they had the week off. And Virginia Union played Custown State this weekend and mm-hmm. ended up losing to Custown State, thirty-four to fourteen. And I believe that uh, their running back Jada Byers had a hundred and one yards, but it was not enough. Mm-hmm. Be Cutstown State at Cutstown State. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, college football rankings just came out uh, a couple minutes ago. And we have a slight change. It's Georgia's number one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, but Washington leapfrog Florida State. Now, mm-hmm. if you're watching football this weekend, all five of those teams are undefeated. But Florida State lost its quarterback, Jordan Travis, to a season-ending injury. Oh, boy. And, you know, I think that had something to do with it. But Washington has beaten Uh Oregon and Oregon State, which are all top 10 teams. So I think Washington is on the rise. So we have to watch that to see what happens. And then Michigan and Ohio State play this weekend. So one Mm -hmm. of them is going to come out of there with a loss. So this is going to be very interesting to see what happens. Also in the top 10 are going to be uh, Oregon is number six with the odds on Heisman favorite. Bo Nix is their quarterback only losing to Washington. Texas, Alabama, Missouri, and Louisville. Now there's some talk that Alabama could jump into the top four if they beat presumptively Georgia in the SEC championship game. But Alabama still has a loss to number seven, Texas. So I don't see that happening mm-hmm. because that would invalidate that win and say that it didn't matter. So it's going to be some very interesting times in terms of these uh, bowl games. Mm-hmm. Jim, also, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you about to say something. Go ahead, Ted. No, go ahead. Okay. Well, Michigan was the first program ever to win a thousand games in college football by beating Maryland last weekend. Now, 
You know, they still don't have their coach. But we will see what happens there. Now, just a brief uh, NFL. No, no, NFL. We're going to leave the NFL next week. And uh, okay. we're going to go to Steve. I want Steve to go ahead and pick up the NBA for us. We're going to come back full force with the NFL next week, okay? Steve, the NBA. Yes, sir. Well, the in-season tournament, uh, you know, a lot of people are asking about it. All 30 teams are in the in-season tournament. They have two stages. You have the group stage and the knockout round. They have uh, three groups, A, B, and C in the East, and also the same in the West. Uh, You play each other one time, and they'll take the top six teams, and then they're going to have two teams that they're going to let in, like... um, uh, uh, shoot, what do you call it when uh, not a uh, just ease them in like two extra teams? Wild card, thank you. Wild card, thanks. And um, it started on November the 3rd and it ends in uh, Las Vegas in December. The December the 9th will be the final day. The top uh, eight teams will go to the knockout round in a single elimination. And uh, the top four teams will go to Vegas and play, and they will play for the cup. It's called a cup. But each player on the winning team will get uh, a half a million dollars. The coaches mm-hmm. are going to get a little something. They're not getting a half a million, but they're going to get a little something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it has boosted the uh, ratings. They wanted to boost the ratings before – Christmas time, and it has done that. Uh, there have been really competitive games, and the tournament games are played on Tuesday and Friday nights. And if you notice, when they play on those Tuesday and Friday nights, they're playing on a different color floor. Everybody's got a color scheme, and um, it looks pretty good. But uh, uh, you've got uh, the Lakers, uh, the Pelicans, and Sacramento are the top in groups A, B, and C, and the Pacers, the Bucks, and Celtics uh, in the East. So if that remains, those six teams will probably go, and it probably will, and then you'll get the two, like Jim said, the two wild card teams. So uh, it's been good. The games have been exciting. Uh, they've gotten what they wanted out of it. So, you know, we'll take it from there and see how it goes. But uh, it doesn't affect – the regular season. You're playing a regular season like you normally do. It's just that on Tuesday and Friday nights, those will be your tournament games. And, Steve, you were stating it's increased the ratings or viewership in the early part of the NBA season is the purpose, correct? Yes. Okay. They want to create that, generate that excitement. And uh, they actually randomly picked all the teams, you know, when they grouped them for group play. And uh, but it is it has worked to uh, what they wanted to do. You know, people are thinking about the games, uh, the energy, the extra energy that the teams have. They've even, you know, got to the point where they actually like playing these games. But uh, it's it's been a good start to the season. Uh, Joel Embiid, your, your top five scores is Joel Embiid is uh, averaging thirty one, almost thirty two a game. Kevin Durant, Durant thirty one. Luka Doncic, 30. Steph Curry, Chef Curry with the shot, 30. Giannis is 30. Mm-hmm. And 
let me give the Joker's numbers. Uh, 27, 13, and 8. 27 mm. points, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists a game. I mean, he's, he's really something. And I want to say something about LeBron. At uh, this stage in his career, he's averaging 26, 8, and 6. Wow. So, you know, it's it's been a great season. It's a light schedule tonight. I think it's only five games on the schedule tonight. So it's a light schedule. But yeah. uh, it's been a good start. All righty. We're going to come back full force next week. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you Thank so you. much, Tim, of the NFL, of the NBA, NCAA, and all that next week. Come back with a full schedule. We're going to take about a minute break, and we're going to come back meet Coach Shonda Virgin. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton's friend, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports and HBCU athletics. And tonight, we have the best in women's sports and HBCU athletics. Last year, Holiday College named LaShonda, Coach LaShonda Spurgeon, as its new men and women's volleyball head coach. Coach Spurgeon previously served as the head women's volleyball coach at Dillon University. She had nine impactful years of coaching and recruiting. Experience of the National Athletic Association Division II, National Association of Athletics, NAIP, and the National Junior Athletic Association, NJCAA. Coach Virgin was named the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference Coach of the Year in spring of 2021 and boasts a career record of 81 and 55. He also has an overall record, which is a building university of 59 and 20. And under a skillful leadership, the team earned numerous accolades. Let me give you a few. 2021 GCAC regular season champions, 8-0. 2022 GCAC regular season champions, 12-0. 2022 GCAC tournament runner-up. She produced seven all-GCAC first-team selections, five second-team selections, an honorable mention, and um, all-GCAC uh, setter of the year in spring of 2021. She also had two GCAC Attackers of the Year in 2021 and two GCAC Defenders of the Year in 2021. She produced the GCAC Freshman of the Year in 2021 and a GCAC Player of the Year in 2021. Also, she produced two Louisiana Sports Writers Associations, all Louisiana volleyball team selections. 
She produced a Southeast All-Region First Team 2022 selection and two Southeast All-Region honorable mentions in 2021 and 2022. She's also produced an NAIA Scholar Team recipient, nine Dextronics NAIA Scholar Athletes, five Arthur Ashe Jr. Sports Scholars, and 26 Commissioners Academic Honor Roll Honorees. She has extensive assistant coach experience in the CIAA, where she also helped uh, coach and produce three all-CIA first-team selections, one second-team, one CIA Rookie of the Year, and one CIAA tournament MVP. She, uh, she did all that at Fayetteville State University. She's won at the junior college level, Coach Spurgeon's education. She earned her master's degree in sports administration from Southeastern Oklahoma State University and a Bachelor of Science in Physical Education from Stillman College. She was a four-year athlete on both the women's volleyball team and the track and field team. Coach Spurgeon is also a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated and Women Leaders in College Sports. Uh, we could go on and on, but I want to introduce her to you, and I want y'all to join me and welcome you to the show, GCAC Champion Coach 2023, Shonda Urgent. Coach, are you there? Yeah, hi, All right, you got to speak a little more into the mic because everybody's dying to hear you. A little okay, closer can you to hear me? Room. Yeah, that's a little better. Okay. And also, I want to say okay, uh, to all of our 44 listeners who are engaged and another 10 in the studio, uh, we have Coach Lashonda Spurgeon. Coach. First of all, I want to congratulate you on your championship in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference and also representing the Gulf Coast Conference well in the NAIA National Tournament. Before we get to all that, this is a great sport. Tell us in high school what piqued your interest to become a volleyball player. Yeah, so volleyball has something that has been in my family for years. My mom played at the junior college level. Um, my aunt, my cousins, they all played at the junior college level. And we literally, like growing up, my family would get together Sundays after church and play volleyball. Um, we're athletic family, but like volleyball was one of those things that brought us together as a family. So it, it's been in me since a young age. <laughs> all righty. And you also did track and field, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. All right. You know, Coach, uh, and we're going to stay right at the high school level for a second because you also mm -hmm. now are a coach and you recruit. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, this is my opinion, that we leave so many opportunities on the table, uh, sometimes chasing basketball and other things, and we overlook volleyball. And, and, and not just women, but they're in the SIAC. I know they have a men's division, and now you're coaching men at Talladega. Um, mm -hmm. Do you agree or do you think uh, – tell me what you think on that. Uh, absolutely. I think that volleyball is growing. I think, you know, now there's club and a lot of kids now are getting into club. A lot of parents are, you know, doing their research, finding the right clubs for their kids and they're getting those opportunities. So I wouldn't, I would say that it was kind of slept on, but now like it's really, it's out there. I know when I was in high school, club wasn't a big thing. Like it was just now starting to like get big as um, AAU basketball. So like I ended up, I didn't play club until my junior and senior year of uh, high school and uh, now a lot of kids are starting playing like you know they're, they're playing five and six years old you know their parents are getting them in the club and it's really 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 developing them and just you know 
opening lots of doors for them um, as far as, you know, uh, on the collegiate level, like getting offers and things. So I think it's definitely growing. It's definitely getting out there. And yeah. Okay. So now you recruited or play at Stillman College. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, that is okay. correct. Tell me how that recruiting process went and what made you choose Stillman? So funny thing is, um, getting out of high school, like I had junior college offers, not in volleyball and basketball. So I told my high school coach, which was also my basketball coach, that I wanted to play volleyball. And I was like, I want to play volleyball in college. I was like, do you think I can? She's like, yeah. She was like, you definitely can. She was like, you know, you just got to make sure that, you know, you put yourself out there and, you know, you let coaches know about you. So whenever it came down to being able to find a school, um, how I found Stillman was that my dad's aunt lived in Tuscaloosa. She had family members that went to Stillman and like on my mind the whole time, I was like, I want to go, I want to play like at Alabama State. I want to play A&M. And I knew, I didn't know much about HBCUs. Um, I went to predominantly white high school. And so I was like, you know, I want to, you know, go to one of those schools. I ended up going to Stillman. I went on a visit, also went on a visit, um, at Faulkner Montgomery and I went to Stillman and I honestly like just fell in love with everything that it had to offer. Um, coach Phillips, which was my coach during that time, um, what she had to offer me was, you know, something that I felt like would develop me and make me a better person. So I ended up going to Stillman. I absolutely did not think I would be there, but it, it was a, it was a good choice. It was a great choice. Okay. And then, and I'm coming to you for the first question, Dr. Kemp. Uh, next, Coach, you, you finish at Stillman, you graduate, then you went on and got your master's, and then you go into coaching. Now, what made you, because you, you had sports management, I believe, in your education, but then what made you decide, I need to coach this man? Uh, that's different than playing. So how did that come about? <laughs> So how I got into coaching was that I, as immediately after graduating, I actually coached at a local high school in Tuscaloosa, Hillcrest High School. Um, mm -hmm. Coach Camilla Redmond gave me my first opportunity and I was her varsity assistant. I was also the junior varsity coach. And that year they went, like the first year before I came, they had won one game. Um, wow. And then, yeah, and so I came in, completely turned the junior varsity program around, helped her out with the varsity program. And while I was there, you know, I would see kids on the road and I would, you know, text my coach and be like, hey, we went to Hewitt Trussell, we saw this kid and she is like lights out. And so I started looking at kids for her as I was coaching on that level. And once I did that, I started going um, in my free time, going back to Stillman, and I would also help her train her middles. So from there, it kind of just developed. I was like, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I need to be on the high school level. I was like, I think I want to coach on the collegiate level. And wow. so from there, I just started applying. I, I was at a, um, all girls school in um, Stanton, Virginia, Mary Baldwin. From there, mm -hmm. I went to um, Vernon, Texas, and I was at a junior. I got my first like collegiate, like full time coaching job as a JUCO assistant in Vernon, Texas. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Dr. Kemp, I'm going to let you have the first question from our, our staff, Coach Virgin. Dr. Kemp. Congratulations, Coach Virgin. Glad to have you here on the show. Thank you. My uh, question is, um, have you found a difference in your coaching strategies between coaching both the men and your women volleyball team? So I, I would say no. Um, 
with with volleyball it's very technical you know um you gotta everything is all about like you know breaking it down to the basics and just making sure that all of our skills are where they need to be at so like on the men's side you know they're they're much taller they're much more bigger and so just getting them to really focus on those skills uh, is really what has kind of been a challenge but not really a challenge because you know they they have that advantage so um, not really. I've just, you know, I always have been the type of coach that's all about fundamentals. And so from the men's side to the women's side, we focus hard on fundamentals. Um, we have the athleticism and we just have to focus hard in on those fundamentals for sure. All righty. Uh, we're going to come to you next. Uh, Jeff, in a question for Coach Spurgeon. Yes. How you doing, I mean, Coach? Um, so past the collegiate level, what does it take to get to the next level? What What do you advise, uh, you know, incoming athletes to do to reach to the next level? I think when volleyball, when it comes to the next level, you know, it's it's overseas. I mean, you you pretty much know. Um, from start, like going into collegiate, the level that you're on, if you're going to be, you know, at the Olympic level. So I think that it, it, it comes down to, you know, what you want to do after, whether you want to be a grad assistant or whether you want to go and you want to play overseas. It's all about, you know, networking and like getting yourself out there. I think that if you have the talent, it speaks for itself. So from there, you know, you're kind of starting the recruiting process over, you know, you're trying to find an agent, you're trying to find clubs overseas. Um, and you're just marketing yourself and you're, you're training, 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 training. But in order for you to be able to go to that next level, you, you got to really be dedicated and you got to really have it in your, your mind and heart that, you know, that's something that you want to do because once again, it's not for everybody and it's not common that, you know, um, volleyball student athletes, especially on our level, go to the next level, like overseas and play. Mm -hmm. Coach, uh, before we go to Ms. Joelle Bowers, you know, you have a lot of Sarahs that's telling me to send you some love. So let me get it in. <laughs> Renee Spencer, Michigan University's Basketball Hall of Famer, says, tell Sarah hello. And then uh, one of our newest members, Joelle Bowers, is going to ask you a question. She's also giving you some Sarah love, too. So, Joelle, you have the next question. Coach Virgin. Uh, so nice to uh, be speaking with you and Coach LaSondra Sports. And I just can't just tell you how um ecstatic i am about the accomplishments you've done also the highlight and the path that you set for the volleyball players and the teams that we have now you see at this we're working hard in hbcu and it's getting all over so i just want to uh, commend you and all that you've accomplished and thank you for highlighting how you've done this so people can see how to rise to the next level beyond just being a coach and going to collegiate and reaching Olympic grounds. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Coach, um, before we get to your team and talk to some specifics there, uh, we may take a break, but I want you to speak on someone. Uh, I watched the championship match when you played against Fisk a few weeks ago. And mm -hmm. um, you, you were very experienced. I love the way your team moved. But there was some smoke you on the floor. That is your commissioner of the conference. She was on our show, Dr. Kiki Baker-Barn. And, and when they were interviewed, she said that she had mentored somewhere along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, she's nothing but a blessing to the league. And I've had the privilege of interviewing her twice. 
But tell me how much Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes has meant in your development and what was your relationship with her? Yes. So Dr. Barnes, first of all, is amazing. Um, <laughs> she's great. She gave me my um, first head coaching job at a four year. So the job, Dr. Barnes, yeah, hired Give me. Give Yeah. Go ahead, uh, he um, hired me at Dillard University. Um, I was I was assistant at Fayetteville State. We were coming right off our championship and the job had opened. I ended up applying, um, went down for an interview. Um, and our first, I, I remember our conversation like it was yesterday. Um, I did my interview process and then the next, the next the next step was just having a conversation with her and she was like you know what is it that you want and i was like i just need someone to give me a chance i know that i'm capable of winning i know what i can do and i just need an opportunity i need a chance and she just really just kind of poured into me from the time i was at dillard even up until now like she's just an inspiration just you know just giving me advice along the way and even before i took the job at talladega i had a conversation with her and i let her know you know even though she was the commissioner at the time i let her know you know what was on the table and she like always just gave me great advice and you know gave me a lot to think about and so um she's really really been you know um a big part like i said she's the first person that gave me a chance on the four-year level so i wouldn't be where i'm at right now if it wasn't for her taking a chance on me as a first year uh four-year coach so i definitely appreciate dr barnes for that yes 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 dr kiki baker barnes absolutely coach um you've had quite a year the last 375 days okay and in athletics sticking with it, hanging tough, coming back. The, late, the year before, you mm -hmm. were the coach at Dilly University, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And if I repeat him correctly, you go into the tournament undefeated, number one seed, mm -hmm. and then you guys were knocked off in the tournament finals by Philander Smith. And That's then, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> people are measured by how they get up. And so you didn't sit there. So you go now to Talladega, the Tornadoes, I think I have your name right, yes. and you take a team, your first year there, their first year back in the Gulf Coast Conference, and you mm -hmm. go 31 and 9 of the total season, 15 and 1, you led wire to wire in the season in the Gulf Coast, 15 and 1 conference record. How did you get a team that quickly to buy in. And then Steve, I'm coming to you for the next question. But how do you get that turnaround that quickly? You just a year or two. What what did you do? So I'll say this. Um going into Talladega, I got there last January and I met the team and just getting to know them. The first conversation I had with them is I let them ask me questions. I let them ask me all the questions they wanted to ask me. They got to know a little bit about me. They did not have much to ask. And from there, you know, I let them have their opportunity. And then when we finally met, I told them, you know, these are my plans. This is what I want to do. And I told them a lot of them were really nervous and scared that I was going to like clear the whole team. I let them know. I said, hey, like, look, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you a chance and see if you fit into what I'm trying to build here. I understood that I had to build the culture from the ground up. But for me, I had to make sure that I had the right pieces. I did not want to go in and completely start over because after having conversations with those student athletes, I saw it in their eyes, the words that they spoke. I even had one that I used to have at Dillard, Zaire Garrett, which she was our conference player Ooh. of the year. 
And um, the kids just, they just wanted to win. They wanted to win. And not only that, they wanted to like have someone in that, you know, believed in them. And so after working with them in the spring and seeing the potential that the nine, like nine of them had, I started talking to my assistant and I said, we can do something with these girls. I was like, we just got to make sure that we bring in the right pieces. So from there, you know, I brought in my kids, I brought in some JUCO transfers, I brought in two freshmen. And from there, at the beginning of the fall, you know, we started when I say we had, I'm not going to act like, you know, it was all just like, peachy throughout we we had moments like we cried we we broke it down like on the mental side is really where we tackled everything you know they had the skill set and I, I made sure that i let them know that each and every day i understand that you have the skill but mentally we got to make sure that we're on the same page so that's that's really what i did and I, I can honestly say that all of the girls that i had on the team this year they bought into what I brought to the table and that is why we were so successful this year they weren't only talking about it they were actually about it so that was great the coach you mentioned a player and steve i'm coming to you now i try to get her name is it zaire is it pretty tell me the name so it's zaire pretty zaire pretty garrett okay guys mm -hmm. i've seen this young lady play she is um when they set that ball up for as an attacker coach where they do the kill. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, well, you guys set that ball up. I watched the championship match. And uh <laughs> it's nothing to be ashamed of. But when they set the match and set the ball up for this girl to do those kills, that swing or whatever you call it volleyball, excuse my volleyball ignorance, hers is unbelievable. Now you have a lot of great players, but mm -hmm. what makes hers so exceptional? Because it's not coming back. Mm-mm. Yeah. So what makes Zaire so special is that that, like I said, that kid, she is going to work. She's going to leave it all on the floor every single time. She's going to give 110%. Not only that, like she will run through a wall for me. She'll run through the wall for her teammates. Like she just wants it. I told you, like she was with me. Um, she was one of the, I recruited five kids when I first came in at Dillard right after COVID. She was one of those kids and she ended up having to transfer to Talladega for some other things. But it was a reason that we like aligned with each other again. And I was like, that kid is special. Like mm -hmm. she is the type like captain leader. She's the type of kid that every coach would want on their team. When I say, you know, I'll tell her like we could be like before a timeout and I'm not talking to the team and I tell her, you know, I'm like, hey, we need to focus. We need to do this. We need to do that. She'll go into the huddle. And when she's talking, all eyes are on her as yeah. if I'm in the huddle. She's just a special kid for real. Yeah, yeah. Coach Steve Wright, question for Coach LaShonda Spurgeon, championship. Well, mine, is, uh, mine is mostly uh, comments, but congratulations, Coach. Thank you you. Very impressive, very accomplished. Where did you find the time to do all this? But <laughs> you said that uh, you played basketball and volleyball, and you must have been really good in basketball, but you made me, you reminded me, of, I know that you're probably aware of Alicia Clark that plays for the Las Vegas Aces. And uh, she's from um, the Nashville area. And she played basketball. And she was one of the top players in basketball. But she was the best volleyball player 
I've ever seen come through this area. And I haven't seen everybody, but she was perfect. And you put me, when you said you played basketball and, uh, and, uh, and, and then you wanted to play volleyball, it reminded me of her. But you can tell me this because one of the best volleyball coaches we had uh, here in Nashville, Glenn Falls, Joel will know who Glenn Falls is. I was a basketball coach at uh, the high school and he was the girls and coaching the volleyball coach. Yeah, Glenn Cliff High School. But he told me, he said if he had his choice, he would pick volleyball over basketball. And the reason was because he said, if you really, if you didn't have a lot of talent, you can still make a big difference in their games, just working off fundamentals and teaching them, and you can make a difference and win. So do you feel that way also? I think with volleyball, like I said, um, you have a lot of kids that are athletic and they don't have the fundamental, like the, their fundamentals. So I think that, you know, you can take a kid who isn't as athletic, but has crazy fundamentals, like that has their fun, that has their fundamental set. And that can be a stud for you. I, especially on the junior college level, because, you know, you get freshmen and you get sophomores. I've had plenty of kids that you look at them and they do not pass the eye test. But when I say their fundamentals were sound and it was somebody that I could work with, like th those were my kids. Like it, you, you can just, you just know, especially when they step on the court and they start like they're passing or they're setting or they're just doing the basic stuff. You just, you really, you can tell and you know. So I, I would have to agree with that, you know. Um, you have some kids that play volleyball that that probably don't pass the eye test um, athletically, but they're they're fundamentally sound, and those are those are some of your studs that you have for sure. Wow, Coach, I want to ask you this: You played mm -hmm. in the nationals tournament this past uh, weekend, mm -hmm. Wesleyan. I think it was the Indiana Wesleyan you played. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I want for our listeners: Indiana Wesleyan was undefeated. Am I right, Coach? That is correct. 33-0. I looked at the matchup. And mm -hmm. also, uh, Indiana Wesleyan had only dropped six sets all year. Every match mm -hmm. is three out of five. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Coach, while you came up a little short this year mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the opening round, uh, Coach, you did win a set against this team, which is, which is to be applauded. You know, the Nationals are not quite the regular conference. And uh, you represented the Gulf Coast Conference Cup. I want to ask you this, though, Coach. Next year, the competition, at least the number of teams in the Gulf Coast Conference, gets even thicker. There mm -hmm. are three new teams coming in. Uh, James, I'm going to ask you to jump in and tell me, to remind me who they are. Uh, but still? Wilberforce. Yeah. I believe Stillman. Voorhees. Mm -hmm. And Voorhees. And it's one more. Stillman? Stillman. Virgin Stillman. Stillman. I thought Virgin Islands is in already. It's Stillman. Stillman. Mm -hmm. Coach, in getting ready for the Nationals, when we looked at the conference this year, we've been keeping up all, all year. Mm -hmm. The Gulf Coast was kind of the three, maybe four whole days between the record. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe a little more competition from the lower level, a few more teams, helps. The, the intra-conference competition gets you ready for nationals. Like, if every night was war, then when it comes to the national tournament, 
your teams are even more prepared. Is that a fair thing to think or say? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that, you know, the stronger we get in conference, you know, the more it, it's going to prepare us for outside of conference. That was the biggest thing for us this year with my kids. You know, we knew we were going to compete in conference, but the biggest thing was, can you compete outside of conference? When I'm recruiting kids, I tell them that. I, I know that you can come in and compete in the GCAC, but my thing is I want kids that are able to do what they need to do in the GCAC, but really compete outside of the GCAC because that's what we need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You've done a great job there. But I want to focus on this too. You have a great school there, about 1,300 students in Talladega College and mm -hmm. um, over 17 programs. You have every major that you want. And then you also have graduate school. What are some of the uh, studies of your student athletes and some of the things that if you're recruiting, say recruiting a daughter of mine, my high school, that mm -hmm. you say, okay, great athletic, but the parent, this is the kind of education they get at Talladega. So at Talladega, um, like I like the majors that that most of my volleyball kids, we have business. And then we have biology and psychology. Those are the most that I've seen so far bringing in and recruiting kids on that level um, on at Talladega. Like I said, I the spring was my first recruiting season for Talladega. And the biggest sell for me was that, you know, Talladega is not a big school. You know, we're a small school. So the student to teacher ratio, you know, is is not that big. And so you have the opportunity for your instructor to know who you are. Um, and as well as, you know, we have so many other opportunities as far as like our student success department um, that helps us out if kids need the extra help. And so we really are a small community, but we have a lot of resources for your kids to be able to come and succeed, not only on the court, but off the court. Uh, the biggest thing for me is them coming in and being successful outside of the court. If we're successful in the classroom, I know we're going to be successful on the court. So that's honestly my selling point and the fact that I'm going to take care of your kid. I'm going to make sure they come yeah. in, they graduate, and you know we win. <laughs> mm -hmm. Coach, I noticed something in demographics, and then I'm going to come to one more question well. And then let Dr. Kemp to let her have the last question. Um, I noticed in your demographics, your student body is about 1,300, five or 600 male, and about 650 to 700 female. That is a different ratio than a lot of small HBCUs, where it's three to one female to male. What is it mm -hmm. that makes the schools so successful in recruiting the male population? Because it's about even on this campus, which is unusual. Yeah, it is about even. And honestly, I think, you know, so with us, we have about 18 sports. And I think the biggest thing, too, is that we have our band. We're a smaller school, but our band brings in a lot of kids and they have a lot of male um, like band uh, students. So I think that is the biggest thing that is able to kind of keep us a little bit even on that aspect. And of course, like I said, we do have quite a few sports. We just added men's volleyball. We added gymnastics. And yeah. so you know, those things have played a factor in that as well. <laughs> yep. The coach, you have some fist guys on the committee tonight on our team. Mm -hmm. And the two things that we have with Talladega is we're the only two HBCUs with a Catholic team. So, and yeah. look, both of the same conference. So there's Dr. Kiki Baker-Barnes making history again. Uh, mm -hmm. Joelle? Yes. I'm going to open up the floor. The coach, your comment, the coach, championship coach, Shonda Spurgeon. Joelle? Yeah. 
Well, a congratulations again, Coach Lissandra. But being a fist guy, you know, it might sting a little bit, but we're <laughs> always going to climb <laughs> and to each other. Um, I think my biggest com- uh, comment right now is I, uh, congratulations on the team and recruiting the girls. But in, when you're recruiting players and where they're determined to be now is in career path or what they choose to be, are many of them, as far as athletes, considering coaching or going into sports? Do you know of? So with, that's funny that you ask that um, because within volleyball, you don't find a lot of the girls that want to coach and that want to get into coaching. Um, you know, you find a lot of them just in like from the years that I've been coaching, you know, you have ones that, you know, they want to be doctors, that want to be nurses, that want to be teachers, that, you know, they want to be entrepreneurs, but you don't really find a lot that want to coach. And so I would say no, for me personally, like I don't, I haven't had a lot of kids that just came up to me. I'm like, coach, I think I want to coach after college. A lot of them, they're pretty much like with volleyball players, they pretty much have it set on what they want to do in life. And they pretty much have their plan. So they know what it is they want to um, come in and major in. They know what it is that they want to do career career wise. Oh, absolutely. I totally would agree. As uh, just a little bit of my history, I'm volleyball and basketball, but I didn't get the scholarship to go to UCLA. So I chose to play uh, volleyball. <laughs> and basketball at this, but I learned that I was better at volleyball and I love the intensity of it. And mm-hmm. so that eye of the tiger, it takes a special athlete on volleyball and you give up the body and you fall and everything else. Mm-hmm. So I love both sports, but volleyball players, they're a different breed, I will say. And I commend you on that because they will definitely give up the body and learn the fundamentals. And you may not be able to tell by looking at them, but you can tell by the eye that they have and the heart that they have. But the the height, I've noticed that most volleyball players now are tall, mm-hmm. extremely tall in Nashville. Um, if you go to some of the schools, so. But um, again, I like to say congratulations. In fist, we will keep going. All righty. <laughs> Before we go to Dr. Kemp. The last question we want to acknowledge, we have Dr. Harriet Hamilton on the show with us tonight, legendary coach and athletic director at Fisk University. And uh, so welcome aboard tonight, Dr. Harriet Hamilton. Dr. Kemp, question or statement? Sure, coach yes. Coach Shonda Spurgeon, championship coach Shonda Spurgeon. Yes, Coach. I just um, had a, a quick question. Um, how do you start uh, without giving anything away? Mm-hmm. Um could you just tell us how do you all start your off-season training? And then how do you keep your student-athletes uh, focused or keep them balanced on their sports and the academics? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with off-season, um, it's pretty much, you know, small groups, one-on-one Um early on in off season. So right now, for instance, I'll just use this upcoming spring for our girls. They'll, they'll be in off season. They'll have January off. And then, you know, February is kind of when we hit the ball running. We'll start doing conditioning, doing weight, doing weights, you know, just focusing on skill specific stuff. From there, we'll go into like some individual position training. Um, we don't really start team practice until the end of February, close to March is when we start doing our team related stuff. So we're really just 
fine tuning and just like really focusing in on our skill and fundamentals um, as far as, you know, keeping them uh, focused like keeping them with a balance um, in the spring and in the fall, I have a schedule, you know, we have mandatory study hall. Um, we have individual study hall. We have group study hall. If there's one, if there's individuals that need that extra, they have extra hours they have to complete. So, and like I said, our schedules are pretty much straightforward. You know, you have your conditioning, you have your practice, and then you have your free, your downtime where you're able to, you know, either do extra schoolwork if you need it or get the rest that you need. So um, we, 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 have a pretty good uh school life balance as far as like volleyball in in my program mm -hmm. coach Spurgeon we had a question that she couldn't get through the chat so she, mm -hmm. she texted to me uh coach <clears throat> Hamilton what type mm -hmm. of girls physically what type of girls uh do you look for in recruiting physically so it honestly depends on the position. Like I said, like I know you said physically, but for me, um, if you can play, you can play. Um, I think that each position requires a, a different amount of skill level for me. But, you know, when it comes down to your capability and what you're able to do, I think I have a good eye um, as far as recruitment goes. If you can play, you can play. But most importantly for me, you know, I'm not only looking at, you know, the physical and the skill aspect, I'm looking at you academically because, you know, being that we are at a private school, you got to be able to get some money academically and act the athletically so I can put that together and get you a good packet. Um, I try to put the best deal together for my kids because I don't want my kids leaving and being in debt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Coach Spurgeon, uh, stay right there. Stay right mm -hmm. here. Uh, we're coming upon the first year of our show. Uh, we started out last year with a goal <laughs> of 500 downloads for the year. And mm -hmm. uh, let me just say thanks to you, all of you all spreading the word. As of tonight, our show has been downloaded 1,160 times. So we have definitely uh, exceeded that goal. And we've also been downloaded in over eight foreign countries. So Coach Spurgeon, this show is heard around the world, not just in the US. And so now in Poland, Finland, Ukraine, they all know about the Talladega tornadoes. So <laughs> I like Coach to hear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're proud of you, Coach. Listen. You don't ever have to deal with winning champions or anything else. You have a voice here. Just contact us anytime you want to come on the show or anything you want to say. We're so proud of you. Thank you for representing the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. You're a true champion through and through. Tell your players we're so proud of them. And um, welcome back anytime. We will look forward, of course, happy Thanksgiving. And we look forward to seeing everyone back exactly 168 hours from now. Coach Spurgeon, championship Coach Spurgeon. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks you, everybody. Thank you. Congratulations, right. Coach. Thank All right, you. now. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. All right, now. Happy. Well, great job, Cliff. Thank you.